0: Today's episode of A New Beginning is brought to you by Harvest Partners, helping people everywhere know God. Learn more at harvest.org. And while you're there, browse our library of free eBooks designed to help you grow in your faith.
1: I think God's pre-wired us to long for something more. Definitely. You know, the Bible says that God has set eternity in our heart. Yes.
2: Today, Pastor Greg
0: Laurie talks with author Lee Strobel. There were nights as an atheist when I would stare up into the blackness and say, "Really, is is this it? I mean, when I die, I just am snuffed out forever." Fortunately, uh, the the greatest news about heaven is it is real, and the worst news about hell. Is it a trial? This is the day when the lost are found. This is the day for a new beginning. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. How oh, can you hear the
2: legends of scene? This is the day, the day when life begins. We're glad you're along with us today for a new beginning. Pastor Greg Laurie has invited a friend of his into the studio today for a fascinating discussion. Our guest is New York Times bestselling author Lee Strobel. As you may know, Lee is a former atheist and at one time was the legal editor for the Chicago Tribune. He's trained in both the law and investigative journalism. And he's written a new book that we want to talk about called The Case for Heaven. Now, Lee, what did you believe about the afterlife as an atheist way back then? Yeah.
0: You know, like a lot of atheists, I believe that it was like the light going out in a refrigerator. Wow. You close the door in a refrigerator, <laughs> the light goes out. I thought you just ceased to exist. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just as you didn't exist for millions of years before you came into being, um, now that your life is over, you just cease to exist forever. Um, and... That is actually a very frightening thought, yeah. uh, you yeah. know. I mean, yeah. there were nights as an atheist when I would stare up into the blackness and say, really? Is, is this it? I mean, when I die, life just goes on unchanged in this world, and, uh, and I just am snuffed out forever. Uh, it's a frightening thought. Um, and and the, thing, the thing about it is, you know what? As an atheist, I was willing to accept it if it mm. were true. Mm-hmm. You know, as difficult it is to deal with it, if that is true, I got to accept it and, and learn to live with it. Fortunately, it's not true. Mm. <laughs> Fortunately, uh, the the greatest news about heaven is that it's real, yes. and the worst news about hell is that it's real. Wow. Mm. So the, the afterlife is is it is real there. It is a reality, and so I think the evidence as I present in this book points powerfully and persuasively toward the fact that there is an afterlife. And mm. uh, so I hope people read it and get encouraged um, and realize that, you know, as um, Greg often will say, you know, where we end up spending eternity is dependent on how we respond to this yeah. offer from Jesus Christ of forgiveness and eternal life as a free yeah. gift of His grace. Yeah. You know, I think God's pre-wired us to long for something more.
1: Definitely. You know, the Bible says that God has set eternity in our heart. Yes, and we don't know what that something more is, or to be specific, that's someone more. But we think, oh, as a little kid. It's, you know, a new friend. It's a, a new bike. It, you get a little bit older. And it's uh, a wife. It's a husband. It's a career. You get a little bit older. It's retirement. It's, yeah. it's security financially, et cetera. A- and, you know, and then you keep moving forward and you find out that's not it. And, right. and I was thinking when I was a little boy, as like 16 years old, I would lay – Uh, I would be awake at night, and I believed what you believed, Mm. that I would cease to exist. And it freaked me out. I thought, how can I cease to exist? Because there was that kind of that pre-wiring that there's more. And that was a search. And, of course, ultimately, I came to the same conclusion you came to. I wasn't the legal editor of the (laughs) Chicago Tribune. I was just a confused (laughs) teenager. But I I found the same answer that you found, Lee, in a relationship with God through Jesus Mm. Christ and
0: so that that's a great
1: he gives us he takes us from hopelessness
0: to hope. Yeah, exactly. And and what you said is so true. Ecclesiastes talks about yeah. uh, God has planted eternity in our hearts. And the the, the Hebrews there is, is, is a little confusing, but um, uh, you know, where I see this illustrated in the life of non-believers yeah. is they try to somehow achieve immortality apart from God. Yes. And so they want to write the great novel that is going to carry their name on after they die. They're going to design a cathedral. They're going to paint a painting. They're going to, they're going to put their name on the side of a building. They're going to give to a hospital and have a wing of the hospital named yeah. after him. That way I'll live on. Some are motivated to do evil things. Mark yeah. David Chapman said he murdered uh, John Lennon um, because he wanted a piece of his fame. Wow! Mm-hmm. And so he was motivated by negative things to try to live on. He wanted a piece of that fame. Um, interestingly, some people have large families, uh, partially because they want their name carried on into history, the family mm-hmm. name to continue. And yet, if you ask the average person, um, what was the name of your great great grandparents they don 't know yeah mm. they don 't i don 't know the names of my great great grandparents and and then if they do know, you say, "But do you care yeah. no i don 't care <laughs> yeah. The thing is with you know if there is no God, then these these vain quests for immortality amount to nothing they amount to nothing. Wow. Um, the amount of your DNA, which will continue on into future generations, gets smaller and smaller and smaller, so that in a few generations there 's not enough to, to, to fill the mosquito. Wow. <laughs> um, uh, so you know, apart from God, there is no hope, as you say. And yet, with God, there is hope. And 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 what what excites me as a guy who tends to be rational and logical respond to evidence is you know this is not wishful thinking. It's not make believe. It's not fairy tales. It's not mythology. Um, this is based on solid data. Uh, And and I cite data from the Bible. I I cite data from outside the Bible Mm -hmm. to say that Mm -hmm. there is good evidence that we do indeed live on Mm -hmm. uh, forever in one place or another. So if you want to know more about
1: what Lee is addressing here, you want to get a copy of his brand-new book called The Case for Heaven. And we'll send it to you for your gift of any size this
2: month. Lee, uh, let me ask you. uh, We would expect non-Christians to have— alternate views of the afterlife. Mm-hmm.
0: but what what percentage of Christians
2: have an accurate biblical view of heaven in the afterlife? Yeah,
0: that's a great question. I can't give you a specific number, but I can tell you that there's a lot of confusion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of misinformation. Um, and part of it is that, you know, we have to understand, you know, the Bible says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has even conceived of what God has in store for those who love him. We can't understand the total, the beauty, the wonder of heaven yet. And so the Bible uses figurative language to try to suggest to us in in an accurate way, but to kind of give us a little bit of a foretaste or an appetizer to try to understand what heaven's going to be like. But the truth is, we can't comprehend it yet. In fact, um, you know, in this world, we see a color spectrum, and it's based on the light from the sun. In heaven, the, uh, the the color spectrum would be based on the light of God, mm. and so we're going to see colors in heaven we, we've we never seen, hmm. and, and how do you describe that to someone? You can't, and so the Bible can't say, well, here's a color you're going to see. And you, you can't describe that, yeah. so the Bible uh, gives us suggestive language and so forth, and um, uh, sometimes that can lead to a bit of confusion if you don't interpret it uh, properly, but— um, I think the confusion um, about heaven is true, as you say, not just among nonbelievers, but among many Christians. I hope this book gives people a um, a sense of encouragement, uh, a sense of wonder, a sense of anticipation, a sense of joy— I mean, when you think consider this, you've seen pictures from the Hubble Space Telescope of, of the mm-hmm. incredible galaxies and you know, billions of light years' width of the universe and so forth, mm-hmm. and the beauty and the wonder of it. God, God called that into existence. And when you look under a microscope and you see the complexity of a cell and you see the beauty of flowers and the wonder of the animal kingdom, you say, this is the creativity of God, and they say that this God. Is going to create an afterlife, a heaven that is going to be an expression of His creativity and love for us, a place designed for us to to maximize our sense of pleasure and joy and adventure and wonder. You think about that, and you go, "Okay, I may not understand yet exactly what heaven is going to be like, but I'll tell you this: I can't wait to experience it because it's going to be awesome. It's just going to be awesome.
1: That's right. So, if you want to clear up your confusion about heaven, the afterlife, you want to get a copy of this brand new book from Lee Strobel. It's called The Case for Heaven. We'll send it to you for your gift of any size uh, to us here at A New Beginning, and we'll use those resources to reach more people with the gospel and the teaching of the Word of God. And as our way of saying thanks, we'll send you your own copy of The Case for Heaven. So, Lee Strobel, you are seventy years old. Yes, I am. I and, am an old man. Well, I'm right behind <laughs> you, so I—I I am one. I'm sixty-nine. Yeah. You know, we all leave a legacy. Mm. We're all remembered for something. How would you like people to remember you?
0: Hmm. Wow. Well, that's a great question, Greg. I. You know, I, I think about sometimes what, what would I want on my tombstone. Yes. You know, and I think I'd want something along the lines of. He dragged as many people to heaven with him as he could. I love that. I love that. (laughs) You know, I mean, God, God, God redeemed me. He changed me, transformed me, gave me a mission. He gave me purpose in life. Um, And I just want people to experience that. I want people to have what I've had, which is the joy and the adventure and the wonder of knowing God personally through Jesus Christ uh, and experiencing that on a daily basis of being um, enriched by scripture and and the the, the wisdom and the the um, uh, stories and the the, the, the uh, insights that we get from scripture, I just want people to experience that yes. and I think of my um, father in law was an atheist mm-hmm. and uh, he had a stroke, and um, the doctors told us he was going to die soon and so uh, we had him at our house in a in a lazy boy chair and I I said to my wife and his wife, who was a Christian, I said, you know, give me one more shot. And they went out to do something, and and it was just me and Al. And I looked to him, and I said, Al, do you realize you're dying? Yeah. I don't want to be in heaven without you. Wow. Your daughter, your grandchildren, your wife, we don't want to be in heaven without you. Al, please. And I, for 45 minutes, I cajoled him. I reasoned with him. I, I explained the gospel again and again. And And then I began to see tears in his eyes. Hmm. And I said, you want to receive Jesus right now, don't you?
2: Hmm.
0: And he nodded. And at the age of 87, 87 87 years old, an atheist his whole life. Unbelievable. Yep. He prayed, he received Christ, and then— my wife came back and his wife, and, and we, we we had a celebration. We were going to cook a dinner and have a party to celebrate Al coming home to God. But then we noticed something was wrong. His left side was sagging. He, he was having another stroke. Yeah. We called an ambulance. Leslie, my wife, got in the ambulance with him, went to the hospital. I got in the car. She got to the hospital, and they put him on a gurney, and they were wheeling him into the emergency room. And he looked up at Leslie, and he said— Uh, Tell Lee thanks. Oh, wow. And he went in, and that stroke ended up destroying his mind, and he lingered for a while, and then he died. You got in under the wire. Under the wire. The last cogent conversation of his life, and he received Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And I will spend eternity— in heaven with him, even though it was under the wire at the last moment. You know, Jesus tells that great parable about the landowner who, who hires the workers, some at 9 in the morning, some at noon, some at 5 p.m., and some at the end of the day, and then he pays them all the same thing. And, and they say, well, wait a minute, how fair is that? And he said, are you questioning my generosity? Yeah. You know, God's grace is so overwhelming that even my father-in-law, um, crusty old guy, army veteran, you know, tough as nails, um, to receive Jesus in the last conversation of his life, now in heaven. Uh, he'll be with grandchildren and great-grandchildren that's he'd never met. Cool. And uh, that's the, the wonder of God's grace. He drug as many people to heaven as he
1: could. Is that what you want, <laughs> I, I love that. that I haven't <laughs> heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> if, a, if an older Lee could speak to a younger mm. Lee, like a, a young boy maybe, yeah,
0: what would you say to yourself? I I'd say keep searching. The truth is out there. Yeah. You know, I'd want to say don't give up. And, and I say that to anybody listening who says, I'm not sure about this stuff. I'm not sure I believe. I'm not sure what I believe. Keep searching. The truth is out there. The Bible says in the Old Testament and the New Testament, those who sincerely seek God are going to find him. Yes. God rewards That's those who seek him. And so I would say just don't give up keep seeking. And you know what? The seeking process is not in vain. Um, It's a good thing. When I came to faith, ultimately, after two years investigating the evidence, God gave me that two years of evidence now that I use in reaching out to others with the gospel. And so it's not a wasted time. And so, as you said, you know, many times to ask questions, to have some skepticism, as long as it's a healthy skepticism is okay. Yes. You know, I think of John the Baptist, he got arrested, and um, he began to wonder a little bit about Jesus. And so he—but he took action, got a couple friends together, said, track Jesus down and ask him point blank, are you the one we've been waiting for? We'd wait for somebody else. Um, And and so that's, I think, the approach we need to take when we have doubts, when we have uncertainty, when we're tempted to deconstruct our faith, so to speak. Um, Pursue answers, pursue evidence, and, you know, God will reward those who sincerely seek him. That's Lee
1: Strobel you're hearing from, everyone, and he has a brand new book out called The Case for Heaven, subtitled A Journalist Investigates Evidence for Life After Death, and we're sending it to you for your gift of any size to help us continue to teach God's Word and proclaim the gospel, because we, like Lee, want to drag as many people to heaven as we can.
2: Well speaking of that Pastor Greg just recently a very dear man died. He was like a like a second father to me. I hadn't seen him in years and I learned from his funeral that he accepted Christ at the age of 70. 70. Wow. And I can't tell you the joy I felt when I knew I would see him again in heaven, mm. you know. Can you imagine If you didn't believe in the afterlife, how much harder it would be to grieve for loved ones who pass? Yeah. You know, everybody grieves when they lose a loved one,
1: even Christians. And I think it's a mistake to say to a Christian, you should not grieve or feel sorrow if your loved one has gone to heaven. The difference is we don't grieve hopelessly, we grieve hopefully. There's, We have hope. We know we'll see him again, but the depth of our sorrow is an indication of the depth of our love. Because we loved a person, we mourn, we grieve. Even when Stephen was martyred, it says godly men mourned over him. Well, why? He was in heaven. Well, because they loved him, and they missed him, and they wanted him there with them still. There's nothing wrong with that. The Bible even says there's a time to mourn. But at the same time, there can be comfort that will come from the Lord. Because Jesus said, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. And the comfort is knowing we'll see our loved ones again. The comfort is in knowing they're happier than they've ever been. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it puts things in perspective. You know, I would like to ask Lee a question that illustrates how no one is beyond the reach of God, because you mentioned Mm -hmm. your friend who is 70 years old. Lee, tell us a story a famous Daredevil Evil Knievel, Yeah. Hmm. And you received a phone call from yeah. him because a lot of
0: people don't know the story yeah. about what happened. To evil Knievel. Yeah, evil Knievel, a man who lived, you uh, know, uh, a womanizer. He was a drunk. He was, uh, went to prison for beating up a guy with a baseball bat. Um, just a lived a very godless life. And uh, one day my phone rang and I picked it up and, and uh, I said, Hi, this is Lee. And uh, the voice says, Is this Lee Strobel? I said, Yes. And he said, This is evil. And I thought, oh, my gosh, <laughs> Satan has got my phone number. How, can Satan do that? Is that? Can, is it? No, no. He said, evil can evil?" Oh. And he told me the story. He said, it was, I was on the beach in Florida, and God spoke to me. I said, I felt it on the inside. And God said to me, Robert was his real name. He said, Robert, I've saved you more times than you'll ever know. Hmm. Now you need to come to me through my son, Jesus. Hmm. And he had this experience, and he thought, I don't even know who Jesus is. So the only Christian he knew was Frank Gifford, the sportscaster. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so he called up Frank, said, Frank, I had this experience. Who's Jesus? And Frank said, um— Get that book, uh, "The Case for Christ" by Lee Strobel. That'll explain it. Huh. So he, he got he read my book anyway. He had a absolutely profound conversion experience. How old was he when this happened? You, do you know, think? he golly, he was around seventy. Yeah, around seventy, and um, radically transformed. Radically transformed. When he gave his testimony at the time he was baptized, um, the pastor literally ripped the uh, his sermon in two and said, you've heard the gospel today. You don't need me to preach a sermon. can wow. evil mm-hmm. just preached you a sermon. He just told you about the grace of God and how God transformed his life. And if you want to receive Jesus right now and be baptized right now, come on up. This church, I don't think it ever had an altar call. Mm-hmm. 700 people came up in two services oh, wow. and received Christ and were baptized. I mean, and I'll tell you one, Greg— um, as I got to know evil, because we became friends um, before he died, and by the way, on his tombstone, at his request, it says "Believe in Jesus." Wow. Mm. Um, but his biggest regret—he used to call me up. He said, "Lee, he said, what if I had received Christ as a kid, as a teenager? My life could have been totally different." He said, I could have lived for God my whole life, but here I am. I'm an old man and 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 um uh and I would tell him, I would say, Evil, you know, um Uh, God is going to use you to reach people that maybe would not be reachable by someone who became a Christian as a kid because you did live a wild life and you did live an immoral life. And yet God has redeemed you. He's changed you. He's given you new perspective, new values and so forth. And and maybe you will have credibility with people that that you wouldn't otherwise have. But his biggest lament was, oh, if I'd only come to Christ as a teenager. And I think about that when I, I speak to teenagers um, and I think, you know, have got your whole life ahead of you, yeah. and, and even would have given anything to go back, oh. receive Christ, and live a godly life. Uh, he just had that sense of regret. So I tried to encourage him, and, mm. and uh, he became a dear friend. Um, I, I look forward to spending time in heaven with him because when he died, we were looking for a motorcycle to buy. He wanted to get an, another uh, Triumph motorcycle, Bonneville, that he used to jump way, way back mm. when. And uh, he was shopping for one at the time when he died. And he was going to give me a ride. Uh-huh. And I, I said, you know, in heaven, uh, I'm going to run into evil evil. He's going to say, hop on the back, Lee. I'm going to give you the ride of your life. Huh.
1: <laughs> you know, I'm just thinking that right now you're listening and you might be a person who's older, 70, 80, maybe even older than that. And you're thinking, it's too late for me. It's never too late to come to Christ. Yeah. But I'm thinking of someone younger. Listen to the advice of Evil Knievel. He had it all. He had fame. He had money. He had all the things that people say you should have to be happy. But his regret was, why didn't I do this sooner? Maybe you're young. You can do it right now. Learn from Evil's mistakes. And I'm thinking this would be a great time to just invite anyone listening, young or old, man or woman, boy or girl, whoever you are, if you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your life, why don't you do it right now? That's right, right now. I'm going to ask Lee to lead you in a prayer. And maybe you would pray this prayer with Lee Strobel, a prayer of accepting Christ into your life. Lee, could you lead folks in a prayer?
0: Yeah, just, just pray this. Um, you can say it out loud or just say it in your heart. God will hear you. Just say, Lord Jesus, as best I can, I do believe that you are the Son of God. You proved it by returning from the dead. And right now, I confess the obvious, which is that I'm a sinner. I mean, there's no no mystery about that. I've, I've done things I knew they were wrong before I did them, and I did them anyway. Hmm. I've sinned and I want to turn from that. In an attitude of repentance and faith, I want to receive. I want to receive this free gift of forgiveness and eternal life that you purchased on the cross when you died as my substitute to pay for all of my sin. Thank you for loving me so much that you underwent the torture of the cross so that we could be reconciled forever. Help me, Jesus. To live the kind of life that you want me to live, because from this moment forward, I am yours. Amen.
1: Amen. If you just prayed that prayer with Lee Strobel, I want to send you at no charge a copy of something we call the New Believer's Bible. It's a New Testament with hundreds of notes that I wrote that will encourage you in an understandable way what it means to know and walk with Jesus Christ. So, Dave's going to give you the information, the phone number to call, and we want to say to you, if you just prayed that prayer with Lee, congratulations and welcome to the family of
2: God. Yeah, that's right. And we hope you'll write us today for that New Believer's Bible. In fact, we'll even throw in some additional resources as well and a packet of information. It's free of charge. You can call us anytime at 1-800-821-3300. That's one eight hundred eight two one three three zero zero. Or write a New Beginning Box four thousand Riverside California nine two five one four. Or go online to harvest.org and click on No God. And, of course, we hope you'll let us send you a copy of Lee Strobel's new book, The Case for Heaven. In it, he interviews a number of experts about the evidence for the afterlife and offers credible answers to the most often asked questions about what happens when we die, near-death experiences, heaven, and hell. It's our thank-you gift when you partner with us to help keep these daily studies coming your way. And your support also helps us reach out with the gospel, as we'll be doing this weekend in Idaho at the Boise Harvest. Get the details at harvest.org. But we hope to hear from you today. You can call us at 1-800-821-3300. Call anytime 24-7 at 1-800-821-3300. Or write A New Beginning, Box 4000, Riverside, California, 92514 or go online to harvest.org. And thanks for praying for the Boise Harvest this weekend. Pastor Greg welcomes Jeremy Camp, Chris Tomlin, Andy Minio, and Jordan Felice. Pray that many would hear and respond to Pastor Greg's gospel messages. And if you know a friend who's in Idaho, tell them about this event. Get the details at harvest.org. Well, next time, Pastor Greg offers some important insight on the Lord's Prayer, No, not the one we usually think of, the one that starts Our Father Who Art in Heaven. We'll consider the prayer Jesus prayed on our behalf. Join us here on A New Beginning with pastor and Bible teacher, Greg Laurie.